0: Gentlemen and everybody in between. Welcome to episode six of the list. As always, my name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin cannon string is my partner in crime, Jordan. Jordan, how are we doing today?
1: Because you didn't say good morning, good afternoon, or good night, I'm doing a little better today, Brett.
0: (laughs) And of course, as always, we have Zach Jackson producing the show for us, and this is our weekly pick'em shows. We aren't we aren't doing as well as official Discord dog Sebastian, who is 2-0 in his picks. But we are doing better than Colin Cowherd, who is 0-9 so far with his picks. How are we feeling about that, Jordan?
1: Is he picking them straight up or against the spread?
0: Uh, knowing him, probably against the spread.
1: I mean, so 0-9 against the spread tells me that Cowherd's losing a little bit of money. Um, I'm currently 13-6. and 6, You're currently 10-9, and 9, uh, straight up, not against the spread. But um, I think you and I have both pocketed a little more change than Colin Cowherd through two weeks. I would
0: say so, but before we go to our picks, we're going to do something a little different, a couple things different this week, Um, and I thought it would be a little fun to do a little bit of AFC roundup, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the teams we hate more than anything else, and we're just going to go down the list, just pick a little something I think is interesting for each team, and talk a little bit about that, and I think first, Jordan, we're going to start with the team we just beat in the New England Patriots, and we're going to have the Mac Jones discussion. Because, in a lot of ways, Jordan, this reminds me of the Tua discussion. I don't think Mac is as good as Tua, but I will admit, like I did the other day, that he did impress me a little bit with his ability to manipulate the pocket and improv. And here are some interesting things I've seen. So, the good for Mac Jones this year is he is top 10 in the NFL currently and throws for first downs, touchdowns, passing yards, and completion percentage. All sounds really good, but... Doing a little research, I'll credit Warren Sharp for these couple stats. So far this season, Mac Jones has 11 attempts of 20-plus air yards, and he has one completion. He is also the worst in the NFL in YPA and also last in the NFL in completions with that of 9%. And then credit to Jordan Moore on Twitter for these stats of Mac Jones. Owen 13, when an opponent scores 24 or more points against the Patriots, 3-12 against playoff teams, and and 0-12 in comeback games, and how they consider comeback games are down by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And since Mac Jones entered the league, to go along with that first stat, is no team in the NFL has held teams under 24 points or less than the Patriots. Now, credit to Mac, he very much like Tua in his first couple years, he's had four offensive coordinators in three seasons. So Jordan, I am a big Mac Jones hater, but hearing these stats, do we think he's developing or is he what the media would like you to think Tua was where he can't
1: throw deep? So I think I'm more of a Mac Jones hater. Um, simply because he's the starting quarterback to the New England Patriots. Um, and I think you can agree on that. That that goes into the reason why we dislike him as a quarterback. Um, but I, you touched on the fact that he had four offensive coordinators um, in the last three years. And Mac Jones really has two things going against him. Okay, Thing number one, um, he's the quarterback really – that was meant to follow Tom Brady. He was uh, a high draft pick. Um, he has that look. Um, he kind of gave you that feel a little bit at Alabama. Um, part of that could have been the weapons he had. Um, but that brings me into part two. And part two actually is broken in to nine parts. If you can keep up with me. Um, so, so here are the nine parts of part two of what's going against Mac Jones. Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Ramondre Stevenson, Mike Gesicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas, Devontae Parker, Ezekiel Elliott, Ty Montgomery. That's what's working against Mac Jones. The Dolphins, when there were question marks about Tua and you weren't sure whether Tua was going to be that guy or not, I think right now we can safely say um, that Tua is looking like that guy. Um, whether he is long-term or not, we'll see happen. Um, but right now, you kind of think Tua is that guy. But when we weren't sure whether or not Tua was going to be that guy, the Dolphins went a step ahead and surrounded themselves with weapons that can help Tua develop as a quarterback. Because you don't just do that by yourself. Now, I'm going to give you another list. Okay, are you ready? I am. Miles Gaskin. Savon Ahmed, Matt Breda, DeAndre Washington, Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird, Lynn Bowden Jr., Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry. Do you know what that list is? Uh, I believe it's Dolphins fans worst nightmare. That was two is that was the all the players that either had a carry or a catch for the Dolphins. Oh, I'm sorry, I got a couple more names here. Um, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, names sound familiar for Patriot fans now. Isaiah Ford, rookie Durham Smythe, Preston Williams, Matt Collins, Adam Shaheen, Antonio Calloway, Chandler Cox. That full list of names are all the guys that either ran with the ball or caught the ball Tua's rookie year. What helped Tua develop from the quarterback he was his rookie year which, if you don't remember, he had a, uh, 9 starts, 64% completions, 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Now, Mac Jones, if you go back and look at his stats at this point, looked very, very similar to those numbers. Uh, through his career, 67%, 40 touchdowns, 26 interceptions, and in 33 starts. Mac Jones isn't a terrible quarterback. They just haven't surrounded him with weapons. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying into saying that Tua only needs or can only be a great quarterback if he has weapons. Weapons help a a young quarterback develop into a good quarterback and give them the leeway and the time to learn how to play once the team can no longer afford weapons. Having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all the guys the Chiefs had when Patrick Mahomes was young... Allowed Patrick Mahomes to make mistakes and develop. And then they were able to sustain once a lot of those weapons left because Patrick Mahomes learned how to play the game of football. And I think Tua was able to do that. And I think Mac Jones to this point has not been given the opportunity to do that.
0: That is a fair point. That is a fair point. And I think the question becomes have. If you're a Patriots fan, a scary thought to even put yourself in that situation, sickening thought, actually, do you think it is worth giving Mac Jones after this chant, after this season, another year, Uh, especially when you have what many are considering a potentially historically great quarterback class in
1: 2024? So it's all about how you feel about the quarterback class. Um, But to me, Mac Jones isn't the problem. I mean... Yeah, he, he didn't beat us last week. He wasn't the reason they beat us. Um, but he wasn't what kept them out of the game. I think the Patriots lack speed. Uh, to me, when I watch us, and we stand out so much from a speed aspect, and you watch a lot of the teams in the league, there's so much speed in the NFL. I feel like, and you said it on our last show, I feel like I'm watching a team in the 90s when I'm watching the Patriots. And Mac Jones has another year. They have a lot of young pieces on defense. They have a couple young pieces on the offensive line. What if they go out and, yeah, they have an opportunity to maybe get the third or fourth best quarterback. What if they make a little move up and get the top receiver in the draft? Get a guy like Marvin Harrison. Get a guy that can go in the first round and can beat you and really be a game-breaker. You go in and you get one of the top couple receivers in the draft you might have an opportunity to, to make Matt Jones look a little better than he is. True. Of course, you know the New England Patriots. If they got a
0: high pick, they'd be trading up for that Georgia tight end because they never have enough tight ends for the hoodie.
1: But, like, what if you go back and get a guy like Xavier Worthy in the middle of the first round who's supposed to run a 4-2-9 at the combine? What if you get – I'm not going to try to say that the other Ohio State receiver's name. I'm just not going to do it to myself. Egg Buka. Is that, did I get that right? A Mecca, Yep. Egbuka? yep. Uh Yep. You get a guy like him at six, one, two Oh five. Who's supposed to run a four, three. Like you get a guy like Marvin Harrison. If you're high enough, who's going to run a four, four at six, four, two Oh five. You get a guy like that. You get a running back. I think that Ramondre Stevenson, to me, he's not the explosive back. People make him out to be. Um, to me, Zeke is wash Zeke. I said on Sunday, reminded me a lot of watching when Jordan Howard was on the Dolphins. If you need one yard, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get you two. If you need three yards, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get you two. They need a, a guy to come in that can break, make a breakaway play. Mac Jones is throwing to guys who are either washed or possession type, power type players who don't score many touchdowns in the NFL with young quarterbacks. Right.
0: See, Jordan, we just proved. I just put all of New England on the list earlier this week and went on a five-minute rant just angry as hell. And I, we can still be fair and impartial when it comes to observing their current situation.
1: Now, I do like to do... laugh at their current situation. though.
0: I do like to laugh at that, too. Now, another team I really like to laugh at is the New York Jets. Um, let's be honest, even if Zach Wilson is okay this year, and even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, Jets are going to end up with a quarterback or a line or offensive lineman in the next draft. Um, but go back and listen to episode one before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I said the Jets would finish last in the division. I look like a genius now, but that's only because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Uh, I look at this team and... I don't know, I honestly don't know why people thought they'd be good just because of Aaron Rodgers. Getting, putting together the Packers teams of the last decade does not seem like a recipe for success. I've been very outspoken in my dislike of Nathaniel Hack as a play caller. His best year was when he wasn't even calling the plays in Green Bay. and that, um, The Lafleur was as well as having Luke Getzey as the quarterback coach slash passing game coordinator. The offensive line is awful like an ancient Dwayne Brown and a Makai Becton who can't stay in shape as your tackles is like Julian Davenport Jesse Davis levels of malpractice if you're a coach defense yeah the defense is pretty good the one thing I learned this week that I think is going to hurt them later on is they do not have their corners follow someone they just keep corners on a side of the field which Makes me interested going up against an offensive guru like Mike McDaniel later, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But looking at the team, they are way too reliant on Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Two very, very, very good players. But against Dallas, Brees Hall only had four carries. Garrett Wilson had that nice touchdown, so they're very reliant on the big play. But looking at it, I just don't understand what the Jets were thinking coming into the year. And even now, even with that defense, I still struggle to think how, how anybody can really could have really seen them as a contender, even with Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that you and I nailed um, in our preseason show. Both, uh, you said that the Jets would finish last in the division. I said one of my bold predictions for the season um, with the, that the Jets weren't going to make the playoffs. Um, the worst thing it looks like, that happened to the Jets this offseason was signing Dalvin Cook. Um, it's it's angering Brees Hall. Dalvin Cook right now has 17 carries for 40 yards. Brees Hall has 14 carries for 136 yards. Um, I mean, Michael Carter's averaging 4.7 yards a carry. Um, Israel Abanaconda hasn't gotten a carry yet. Uh, you, you had Bam Knight on the roster. I don't know if he's still on the roster, and they're keeping five running backs. But – you had a number of running backs who looked good, um, and you went out and kind of shook up your running back room. I didn't see that as a, an area where the Jets needed to add. That's why the, the Jets' Dalvin Cook stuff, if anybody saw me talking um, about what they were going to do during that time, um, I was a little surprised that Dalvin ended up there simply from a football standpoint uh, because it didn't make sense given that running back room. And right now the Jets right. are in a little bit of trouble. The Jets, yeah. the, they're, they're in trouble. they I don't understand um, how they're going to go through this full season without falling apart.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. And just to answer, you were asking about Zonovan Knight. He has actually just got picked up by Detroit, and he's definitely a Dan Campbell player, so that will be an interesting fit.
1: Oh, I think he's better than Craig Reynolds. Yeah? If, if David Montgomery is going to miss time, I, I don't know anything, but I could see Bam Knight – Scoring a couple touchdowns and having a little bit of a, a resurgence with the Lions—that's a great fit.
0: Yeah, and I do like what Dan Campbell, uh, former Dolphin assistant and interim head coach, has done with Detroit. Um, but now on to our college picks, and of course, like I said last week, anytime you want to talk college gambling or any other sports, please join us at Fin Heaven, the biggest Dolphins fan site on the internet. Um, said last uh, week we Brett.
1: made it, a- yeah. You know there are three teams in our division with us, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I did pick – I did skip Buffalo. But honestly, part of the reason I skipped Buffalo was they're kind of boring right now. Um,
1: They they are kind of boring.
0: But they kind of – I haven't been impressed by how they look so far. And it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind.
1: Yeah, they're kind of boring. And I think that uh, you and I are going to be doing enough talking about them next week um and what we're picking their game i'm along with the patriots and the jets a little uh later so we'll get back to the bills
0: yep but uh yeah i'll just say fuck the bills and then we'll move on to the college college picks um this so far has been the toughest slate of games to pick what we're gonna do is i believe there is six matchups that are ranked versus ranked games uh, so like we did last week, we're going to do four together, and then we're each going to pick a wild card as a tiebreaker. So we're going to start off with, ironically, one of the games that is not ranked versus ranked, but one that I find very interest- interesting in Florida State versus Clemson. Now, uh, Jordan Travis has had a very good start, eight touchdowns, one interception. He is on some people's Heisman ballot currently. Um, not mine, but that's a, that's a teaser for later. Um, but he did, I believe he had an arm injury late or during the Boston College game. Uh, Keon Coleman is his top receiver. has four touchdowns. He's one of a few that can be considered first-round wide receivers currently. And then they also have Jaheem Bell, a graduate transfer from South Carolina, a tight end, someone I really did like going into the draft last year. Um, but I think he got banged up a little bit as well. Uh, they narrowly avoided the offset against Boston College last week. Didn't really look good, but Boston College just isn't talented enough. Uh, Clemson, as we all know, got upset by Duke at the beginning of the season. Cade Klubnick is having a better year than I actually thought he was, Jordan, with uh, eight touchdowns and two interceptions. But it really does seem like Clemson is relying to move the offense. They're a uh, two-headed running backs of Will Shipley and Phil Maffa. Um, I didn't really ne- recognize any of the wide receivers when I looked them up, and it doesn't really seem like they have great numbers, but it does seem like they split between three and Bo Collins, Antonio Williams, and Colin Brown. Honestly, the most exciting part about this Clemson team is they do have two potential first-round picks at linebacker. Uh, one name is very fam- will be very familiar to a lot of fans in Jeremiah Trotter Jr., and the other is Barrett Carter. Both, um, from what I've seen, are people I am looking forward to scouting as we get closer to the draft season. Clemson hasn't had a very strong schedule. Like I said, they lost to Duke, and then they've beaten Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic the big news or the big complaint a lot of teams uh, fans have of Clemson right now is Dabo refuses to hit the transfer portal. So many think they are undermanned and the team lacks speed. And with the Garrett Riley offense, uh, you need speed, especially with that spread sit now, that being said, like I said, Boston college struggled or Florida state struggled up at Boston college and they had some injury issues. So despite all that, does leave me concerned about Florida State, mainly the injuries. So I actually think Clemson is going to win on a last-second field goal.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good pick. Um, you know what? There are a couple things that really worry me about Florida State, um, but the biggest thing that worries me uh, is looking at the, the betting lines and looking at the way the money is going. 85% of the bets right now are on Florida State minus 2.5. and usually when the public is on a team, 85% the other team wins. Um, I like this matchup for Florida state. I think they're the deeper football team. I think they're the more motivated football team. Um, And I think that uh, they have the skill position players to make a run. Um, I think they see this game as an opportunity um, for them to really, they're in the top four. Um, but I don't think people are looking at them as a real national championship uh, contender, playoff contender. Um, I think they see this game as a playoff game, no different than they saw the LSU game as a playoff game. I think the game's going to stay close. I think it's going to be very, very close. Uh, Clemson might kick that field goal late to go up one. Um, but surprisingly, against my better judgment, I'm going to say that Florida State makes a late drive um, that solidifies a win at Clemson. I don't love it. I don't love it at all. Um, I kind of think Clemson might win the game simply because 85% of the people are on Florida State. I think Clemson picked the wrong quarterback. I think the quarterback that should be at Clemson is the quarterback at Oregon State right now. But I think Florida State wins in a very, very close game. But I would not at all be surprised to see Clemson win.
0: Off to a better start than last week where we were agreeing right off the bat.
1: (laughs) So next
0: game, this is a game I'm very interested in. It is number 19, Colorado, traveling to number 10, Oregon. Big story, of course, right now for Colorado is Travis Hunter being out. That'll hurt him more on defense than it will on offense, in my opinion, because uh, the Buffaloes still do have two other transfer portal receivers they got in Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. who have both been really good as well as Dylan Edwards the uh, true freshman running back who has three receiving touchdowns. Uh, and of course you have Shadour Sanders who is having an amazing season and opening a lot of eyes. Um, the defense though has been a bit shaky and that can be expected for a team that has 80 new players. Uh, on Oregon's end you have Bo Nix, who seems like he's been in college for 10 years now between his time at Oregon and Auburn. A two-edit monster at running back and Bucky Irvin and Jordan James. It look like they split carries about 50-50 and have eight touchdowns between them. Irvin also has 11 receptions. Three really good receivers in Troy Franklin, Garrett Bryant Jr., and Tez Johnson. Uh, Oregon is one of the rare teams, though, where their safety... Tysheem Johnson is actually the leading tackler it's an interesting it's an interesting matchup I think a lot of people have bought into the Colorado hype that uh, Coach Primes brought in I think this matchup is a little too early for them even if Travis Hunter was healthy I like what he's doing but this the TCU team they beat is not the same one that went to the uh, college football final lost a lot of players lost their offensive coordinator I actually think Oregon's going to win by at least 10 points.
1: Yeah, I know we had the conversation we had um before we came on air. I know there's people behind the scenes of this show that really love Colorado and really think Colorado um has an opportunity to win this game. Um but I even since the TCU game, uh you knew they had an opportunity to win that game when the spread was 21. I think this this line um is a way for people to say, Oh, we missed out on it when they played TCU. Let's take it. Um, and and there's no way Colorado loses by more than 21. I think it's going to be close. Um, not the game, but the spread, I think Oregon wins by a couple scores. I can see, uh, like, uh, Oregon's up by 24 or 27. Um, and Colorado scores a late touchdown to backdoor cover. Um, I could see that happening. Uh, but I can't see Colorado winning the game. Uh, so if we uh, are just picking the game straight up, I'm taking Oregon, and I'm taking Oregon uh, by a couple scores.
0: Okay, yeah, and I think that's a safe, but I think it's just this type of game is still just a year away for Colorado to be taken seriously. Uh, the next matchup is a one that has been known to be exciting, and number 15 Ole Miss traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on number 13 Alabama. And honestly, this is the first time I think in a long time that Ole Miss feels better than Alabama, Um, mainly because of quarterback. Ole Miss has Jackson Dart starting. He is their leading passer, as well as rusher, although uh, Quentin Judkins has four rushing touchdowns too, so that's a decent one-two punch. Bama's been doing a QB carousel so far. Jalen Milro started the first two games, didn't look good against Texas. And then last week against South Florida, Ty Simpson and Ty Buckner split time. And I don't know if you watched that game, Jordan, but it was it was not good, not just because of the rain. Um, Milro still is the only Crimson Tide quarterback to throw a touchdown pass, which is surprising. And this isn't the uh, normal... Alabama offensive line you expect to see they've already given up 12 sacks this year and I saw I forget the kid's name for South Florida I remember his first name was Day, Day Day but I don't remember his last name but he had two sacks where he just annihilated the tackles for Bama right off the snap and Ole Miss already has 10 sacks on defense so this is a really good defense going up against a struggling offensive line it's very hard for me in history to pick against Bama in Tuscaloosa. But just from what I've seen this year, I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I know they haven't had a tough schedule. They've two lanes, the best team they've played, but Bama has not impressed me. And I think if there's a time to take advantage of that, it's this year. And I think Lane Kiffin's taking his team into Tuscaloosa and winning.
1: So it's funny you say that. I sat here. Um, while you were talking, before the show, while I was going through my notes, um, and I actually originally had picked Ole Miss. Um, and the more I got looking, the more I got thinking, and I'm probably going to fall into that trap. Um, I I think Alabama is going to win the game. I think Ole Miss will probably cover. Um, I could see o- Alabama winning by four, by five, somewhere in there. Um, I think that the Alabama defense will get a late stop. Uh, The game Ole Miss won at Tulane. If you dig into it, uh, first of all, Tulane was playing their backup quarterback. So you really beat um, an an American Conference team, a great American Conference team, but an American Conference team with their backup quarterback. Um, You've beaten Georgia Tech and you've beaten Mercer. Uh, Texas beat Alabama by throwing the ball. I think Ole Miss is going to try to beat Alabama by running the ball, um, and I don't think that's going to work. Uh, I think that the offensive line for Alabama is is a concern, um, but I don't think it's going to be uh, horrible. I mean, they do still have some good names on the offensive line. Um, They have some good size on the offensive line, uh, and I think they're going to take this as a game uh, that's very, very personal. Uh, They have an opportunity to climb back into the top ten. For Ole Miss, this is a – program-changing opportunity, Um, and I think in games that are program-changing opportunities, um, I like teams in those games, so I like Ole Miss, um, but I think Alabama wins the game.
0: Yeah, and if Ole Miss can pull this off, like you said, this could be a program-changing, altering, really, game if they won, and it could take them to top three, maybe even the higher in the SEC long term. Now uh, for the fourth and final game where we both are picking one of the primetime games we got number six Ohio State going up against number nine Notre Dame. Kyle McCord is the new starter at quarterback for Ohio State. Stat-wise isn't looking bad but you'll find a lot of Ohio State fans not happy with how he's looking so far despite six touchdowns, one interception. Um, honestly, their best offense so far has been Travion Henderson, their running back, or at least he's the one that keeps them moving. The offense is very reliant on those top two receivers of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Nemeka Agbuka, who both have three touchdowns, a very big play oriented. Marvin Harrison Jr. has only 14 receptions this year, but already has 304 yards. That just tells you how dominant he's been. Um, But I do want to give a shout-out to Cade Stover at tight end, who isn't letting it up on the stat sheet, but a very good blocker and an underrated receiver, and he's someone that next year I'd be curious to see on the fins. Defensively, it's been a little bit of a slow start for the Buckeyes. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been getting the quarterback like they hoped they would. JT tu- Tuamalo was their star end last year, and he has not gotten a sack yet, and the team as a whole only has five, um, but a name many Dolphin fans may be familiar, or should be familiar with, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, has been the best player on the defense so far. On the opposite side, Sam Hartman, quarterback for Notre Dame, grad transfer from Wake Forest, has probably been the biggest get for any team in the transfer window, even over or transfer portal, even over Shutter Sanders at Colorado. 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Running back, Audric Estime has 63 carries, 521 yards, 8.3 a carry, five touchdowns, and of course, it isn't Notre Dame if you don't have a good tight end. They have Holden Stess, I believe it's pronounced, S-T-E-S. He has four touchdowns, and Notre Dame has a very active defense, five interceptions and seven, seven forced fumbles so far this year. Uh, Neither Ohio State nor Notre Dame have had the toughest schedule. Buckeyes have played Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky, while Notre Dame has Navy, Tennessee State, North Carolina State, and Central Michigan. Uh, North Carolina State is probably the best team either team has faced. Both teams are built around the big play. I think what it comes down to is quarterback play, and right now, the... uh, Fighting Irish have the better quarterback. And, of course, the game is in South Bend. So I am ha- picking Notre Dame to win this one.
1: So this is a game that I've been ha- I've had circled on my calendar since Sam Hartman uh, decided to go to Notre Dame. Um, this is my favorite play of the week. Um, it's my favorite pick probably so far uh, in the first three weeks of the season. Other than um, getting the Dolphins minus two against the Patriots. Uh, Other than that, this is probably my favorite pick. Everybody knows I was all over uh, Missouri versus Kansas State last week. Um, I am all over Notre Dame this week. Uh, I think that Sam Hartman almost makes Notre Dame underrated. Um, people don't realize how good Sam Hartman is and what he did with a horrible Wake Forest defense. Wake Forest, when Sam Hartman was there, I think it was either last year or the year before, they literally gave up a touchdown. It felt like every single time they were on the field and he was still in a top-end bowl game. I mean, Sam Hartman is a legitimate college quarterback. He's a lot better than Kyle McCord. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to be fired up at the opportunity to really... This is this is Notre Dame's conference championship, so to speak. This is the biggest game, other than USC, but th- this is the opportunity to make the USC game matter. Um, and I think Notre Dame wins. I, I don't think they blow them out, but I think they win rather convincingly. I think you leave the game saying, wow, Notre Dame's definitely a lot better than, than Ohio State. And a lot of people are going to leave the game saying, oh, wow, can Notre Dame really make a playoff? And I think, I think the answer is yes.
0: They do have a shot, and this game would put them along, go a long way in getting that, and then it comes down to that USC game. Um, Now, of course, the wild card game. Last week, I took Michigan. This week, I am not touching Michigan Rutgers. I am going to another primetime game and it is another ranked-versus-ranked ranked game. It's number 24, Iowa, travels to number 7 at Penn State. Why did I pick this game? Well, four of the last five meetings have been decided by a touchdown or less. It can be an ugly game, beautifully ugly in my opinion as a fan of Big Ten football, but still, this game usually has big-time implications and usually results in Iowa screwing Penn State anytime they have a chance at a playoff um, that being said Iowa's offense is some of the most disgustingly bad thing uh, offenses you'll ever watch Cade McNamara the Michigan transfer has four touchdowns and three interceptions uh, not good they rely on three running backs to move the ball LaShawn Williams who has 8.6 yards per carry Jazun Patterson who's five yards per carry and then they're the one with the most carries is Kalen Johnson, but he's only at 2.7 yards a carry. The only two receiving threats, quote unquote, they have are their tight ends and Luke Lachey and Eric All, who are the top two receivers on the team. But Iowa is known for their defense and special teams, and that is how they have won games. They have they already have one defensive touchdown this year. They rely on getting the ball pinned deep and letting that defense do its thing. I have sang the praise of Drew Aller on this podcast multiple times. Sophomore quarterback for Penn State, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. The story for Penn State, of course, is their two running backs. For sophomores, Kateron Allen and Nick Singleton, who have seven touchdowns. The, receiver, the receivers basically, Aller relies on Keandre Lambert Smith and Tyler Warren, his tight end. They have Aller's four touchdowns this year. Very good defense led by former Miami Hurricane head coach Manny Diaz. 10 sacks, 5 interceptions already this season. Kalen King, their cornerback, is a potential first-round pick. My favorite player on the defense is sophomore linebacker Abdul Carter. You've heard me say it multiple times already. Penn State has one of, of, if not the best, sophomore classes in college football. Got a lot of guys I consider first or second-round picks. To me, they're a year away from being a serious contender on a national stage. I think this game will be tough for them. I think it will be another one-score game, just because this is going to be the toughest competition Aller's faced so far. But with this being a night game in Happy Valley, crazy things happen there. If this was at Kinnick Stadium, I would pick Iowa, but because it's up in state college, I'm picking Penn
1: State. You just made a game. That was probably one of the easiest games to pick on the slate. Seem very, very difficult.
0: It will be. So it is gonna be a lot more difficult than you think.
1: Part of my job is to talk shit because I do think there's a chance yeah. Iowa goes in there and sneaks away with one. Um, but again, like we we talked about Penn State at length last week, so I don't I don't think we need to do it again. Um, but they're a good team. I think they're a year away from really being able to contend. Um, but they're a good team, and I think they do beat Iowa, even though that's not an official pick of mine. Um, my official pick, um, just like last week's was, um, is going to be an underdog that I'm going to give. Um, unlike last week, it's going to be an underdog going on the road. Um, but like last week, it's going to be an underdog beating a ranked team. Um, I'm picking the UCLA Bruins to go to Utah and beat the Utes um, in Utah. I think that UCLA, uh, Dante Moore is the best quarterback they've had there in a little while. Um, I think that, I mean, if uh, Cameron Rising plays for Utah, I think that, yeah, they're going to be a little better um, than they would be with their backup. Uh, But I think even if he plays, there's going to be a little bit of a rust period. Uh, I look for UCLA to come in, a team that really uh, has a lot of momentum behind them. And I think they're sneaky. Uh, they beat Coastal Carolina, who with McCall uh, has been there for it what feels like as long as Bo Nicks has been in college football. Um, they beat a really tough veteran Coastal Carolina team. And then they easily won at San Diego State, which is never a diff uh, an easy game to win. I mean, San Diego State's only two and two. Um, they lost to Oregon State and they lost to UCLA. But but UCLA is a very solid football team. And I think they're gonna go to Utah um, at it's not a night game in Utah. It's a 3 thirty game, and that game was a very, very high scoring game last year. Um, and I look for it to not be as high of a scoring game this year, uh, but I think it's a game that UCLA is going to win. I think UCLA um, will continue to build a little bit of momentum. They have a very tough couple games. I'm um, gonna look for this to be a little less scoring than the 42 32 last year. Um, but looking at UCLA's schedule, They play Utah this week, then they have a week off and play Washington State and Oregon State back-to-back. Then they play at Stanford and then Colorado, and then they play both Arizona teams and UCLA. So if – I'm sorry, and then USC. If UCLA can't win this one against Utah, um, I don't necessarily see them um, beating Washington State if that's the case. And if they can't win at Utah, I don't think they can win at Oregon State. So this is a very big test for UCLA, and I think it's a test they pass. I take UCLA by four at Utah.
0: All righty, and just for a recap, I picked Clemson to win. Jordan picked FSU. We agreed. Oregon is going to beat Colorado. We uh, disagreed on Ole Miss, Alabama. I took Ole Miss for the what many would consider an upset. Jordan took Bama. We both picked Notre Dame. I have Penn State beating Iowa as my wild card, and Jordan has UCLA over Utah. Now for the other new segment, before we go to the NFL picks, I want to take a look, quick look at our top five Heisman candidates. Each of us will give five. I'm gonna Jordan. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna start from number five and go to number one down to number one since we are a month into the season. Number five, I have Quinn Yours of Texas, seven hundred forty yards, sixty point seven completion percentage, ten total touchdowns. His performance, second year in a row, he had a great performance against Bama. I like what I see. He's probably got the best arm of any college quarterback. That means he's the best, but I think he might have the best arm. If Texas goes undefeated, I think he's going to be there for the for the presentation. Number four, someone we did talk about earlier, Sam Hartman. Numbers are ridiculous right now. 15 total touchdowns, 1,061 passing yards, 71% completion percentage. Again, his candidacy is going to be determined by how Notre Dame's season goes. Notre Dame is there at the end of the year. He's going to be a finalist. Number three, a name I have talked about a lot the last couple weeks, is Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr., 1,332 passing yards, 74.3% completion percentage, 12 total touchdowns. He is a guy I've been a fan of since he was at Indiana. He just can't stay healthy. He's been healthy for Washington the last two years. Has them as a team I think could surprise and be a playoff candidate in the last couple years of the Big 12, or the Pac-12, excuse me. But it, again... If they lose one game, he's going to be out, even just one. Number two, I have the defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. right Taking off right where he left off, 13 total touchdowns, 878 passing yards. Uh, the main reason I don't have him as the number one candidate right now, quite simply, I don't think they're going to – unless he completely blows it out of the water, I don't think no, there's going to be a Heisman winner.
1: You don't have Caleb – don't tell me. Please don't number tell me. Number one right now, So I have –
0: Colorado quarterback Shadur Sanders. Oh wow,
1: I thought you were going to be a homer and go with Blake Corum.
0: No. He has not been good enough. Shadur Sanders, even if it was against Colorado State, the last two the, la- the fourth quarter he had was amazing. 1251 pass yards, 78.7 completion percentage, 11 touchdowns. Again, I think this is one of the rare occasions because of the I don't care if he loses unless they lose multiple games. I don't care if he loses this week. I think there's so much of a spotlight on him because of his dad that he's just going to put up insane numbers and he'll be a candidate all year. And right now I am going to ride with that hype. So I have Shadur Sanders as the current favorite for the
1: Heisman. The Shadur Sanders hype is so unreal to me. Um, Simply because I just Googled the name Caleb Williams and the top of Google says news about Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders. Here's yeah. the problem. Here's the problem with Shador Sanders to me. Okay. They're probably going to lose this week at Oregon. I think they might lose next week against USC, especially if Travis Hunter is not back. At UCLA is a diff- difficult game. Oregon state the week after at UCLA is a trap game for them. And then they finish the season at Washington state and at Utah. I don't know if they can if they'll give the Heisman to a guy that loses three or four games. Now, Caleb Williams this year is completing 79% of his passes with 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. He is at an unreal pace. Caleb Williams is almost in that Andrew Luck tier. When Andrew Luck went back for that extra year. And it was almost like Andrew Luck would do unbelievable stuff. And we'd be like, oh, okay. And then Andrew Luck threw that one pick six. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. He might suck. Caleb Williams looks like what Patrick Mahomes looks like on an NFL field. Caleb Williams looks like on a college field right now. It is stupid what he looks like. Um, I'll go really quick because we have most of the same players Um, Let me pull my list up here. I'm sorry. Um, My list is very simple. It's all quarterbacks. Um, Right now I have Sam Hartman, five, Quinn Ewers, four. I think whichever one of them, um, well, really, let me step back. Between Sam Hartman, Quinn Ewers, and Penix, I think they're going to finish two, four, and five. And whichever one of those quarterbacks makes the playoff will probably finish two. Um, so I, but right now um, I'll pick. Uh, fuck it, I'm going Ewers five, Hartman four, Shador Sanders three, which I'll explain in a second. Michael Penix two, and Caleb Williams one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Shador finishes two. I, I think either way, one way or another, they're gonna have him in either the second or third slot. So he's in the running the night of the Heisman ceremony. I think that is on a collision course to happen, Um, especially with Ewers and Hartman and Penix. Um, I could see Shador sneaking above a couple of them, Um, but I don't see him jumping into the top two. Um, Indiana fans are kicking themselves right now. I went to a couple games when Penix was at Indiana, and I didn't see this. I didn't see this, and I think if Washington uh, finds a way to run the table, um, if Washington finds a way to to be up there at the end with USC, you could see him there. Um, but the unreal run that Penix is on, the, the unbelievable Caleb Williams is ha- going to have one of the best college seasons. He's on pace right now to have a better season this year than last year, and if he doesn't win the Heisman this year, having this kind of season unless something happens then some sort of fatigue factor is set in I think Caleb Williams is the best player in college football and I don't think it's necessarily close yeah
0: I agree like I said I think the other thing I think USC is going to lose at least one game maybe two so I think that'll hurt him t- as well but I just think at the end of the day they're going to it's the quote-unquote tradition and I don't think you're going to see it two times uh, him win as to, uh, second, hyphen. I, think, I think only one person's ever done it, right? Archie Griffin?
1: Can I make a bold prediction? Go for it. I think USC wins the national championship. That is a very bold one. Well, that's a
0: very popular one, but I'll say it's bold. I, I think I've just seen far too often, aside from the Matt Liner years, USC is always going to lose one or two games they shouldn't lose. It just depends on which one it is. Um, but we have the same five. You add JJ McCarthy from Michigan and Drake May from North Carolina; those are seven quarterbacks that all could realistically go in the first round in the next in the next draft if they all declared.
1: Yeah, I I think we're we're headed towards a great quarterback class. I think there's always one or two that kind of pop up at the last minute, Um, but we're we're definitely headed to that. But I I think it's time to switch over to the pros.
0: Absolutely, and we're going right to the picks, Uh, starting with an interesting game the Chargers and Vikings. Something I learned this week, the Chargers are the first team in NFL history to score 30 points in both games and have zero turnovers, but be 0-2, which I didn't even know was a thing until I saw it this week. Justin, Herb- yeah, Justin Herbert has had, in two games, three chances in fourth quarter in overtime to win the game, no touchdowns, and one field goal. So, like you said a couple weeks ago, might be time to start talking about Justin Herbert as a clutch player or not. Uh, Kirk Cousins, another great start. Six touchdowns, one interception. Just load it with receiving options. Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, and KJ Osborne. The one thing going that's not really working right now for the Vikings is their running game. Uh, Alex Madison's averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, on the same side for the Chargers, it sounds like um, Austin Eckler may be out this week. I know he's been hurt, so late. That uh, that might be a game-time decision. This is basically going to be two great offenses going against two awful defenses. Uh, so heading into Week 3, I saw Minnesota is allowing 68% completion percentage with an average of a 96 quarterback rating to their opponents. Uh, the Chargers are allowing 333 pass yards per game. Uh to to touchdown-to-interception ratio, 69% completion percentage, and over 10 yards an attempt for quarterbacks. Uh, So this is great offense against poor defense. The big difference for me is Daniel Hunter is the one good part of the Vikings defense right now. He has four sacks in three games. He had three against the Vikings. Eagles, who also have a really good offensive line. The Chargers have a good offensive line, too. The pass rush is going to be a big difference. Mack and Bosa have not gotten going yet. Uh, Even though the Vikings don't have the corners to run, our old friend Brian Flores' defense, I think the pass rush is good enough to help them get by. I think the Chargers fall to 0-3, so I have the Vikings winning. Uh, Not just because of the defense. I think Brandon Staley has proven to be the one coach that overthinks everything to the ump degree. And I think he's going to make a decision that costs the chargers this game.
1: So we're off to the same start. And I don't think I need to go into much detail because I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the seat is about to get piping, piping hot for Brandon Staley. Um, I think that there's a subliminal reason why they brought in Kellen Moore when so many teams were, um, interviewing him for their head coaching position. I don't think Brandon Staley makes it through the year. And I think they would rather give Kellen Moore, um, a substantial amount of time to see if he could possibly be their version of Mike McDaniel. Um, I think the Vikings win this game. Kirk cousins has been playing really well. The Vikings. I mean, the Bucs are playing good football and I think the Vikings really choked that game away. And then the Vikings, they were in an impossible situation at Philly um, on a short week. I think the Vikings have had a long week to reset. Um, I think the Chargers uh, are traveling back to Minnesota. um, And I think the Vikings win a very close game. The only thing we know is that either Kirk Cousins or Justin Herbert are going to have a drive at the end of the game to win. Um, I think the Vikings win a one-score game. Okay. Next
0: game, we have the New Orleans Saints versus the Green Bay Packers. Um, Jordan Love has exceeded any any expectations I had for him so far this year, which wasn't many. Um, he looks to be doing really well. The one question I have about the Packers, besides health, uh, not only has Christian Watson been out so far and been messing with some of my fantasy teams, but that's a different story. But uh, the other thing is, I'm not a fan of Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator. If you look at his history anywhere he's gone, it's started off good, and then it's been a monumental flame out. Didn't even start out good last year. Now they did have a couple good moments, uh, admittedly against the Chicago bears, but that is a team in disarray, which in the future, we may want to do a deep dive in, on them, but that we'll talk about that for a different episode. Uh, that being said, the saints, despite being two and O are probably the least impressive offense in the NFL. Everybody talks about how good Derek Carr has been doing. I looked it up and he has a one touchdown. Uh, they can't really get anything going offensively. They still rely way too much on Taysom Hill to come in and do this, the direct snaps uh, for my liking to get the run game going. So I think the Packers are going to win this one, and I'm going to say by 10 points. Uh,
1: so uh, this is the toughest game that we've picked this whole time for me. Um, I think these teams are so similar. Um, I think that the same, the same things you could say about the saints backfield you can say about this the Packers offensive line um at the end of the day I, I think the saints win I'm gonna pick the saints I'm not at all confident in it um the only reason I'm picking the saints really is because the NFL is weird and things like that happen um I think the saints were uh, a lot better than the um, Panthers and the score showed. I think they missed some opportunities. Uh, I think uh, Derek Carr is going to have a better game. I think the saints are going to win a very low scoring game. Um, I, I don't know, man. Uh, This is, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here saying it and I, I still want to go back and forth. Um, I'm going to say the saints just simply so we can be different. Mm. Um, So I'll say the Saints, but I wouldn't be surprised if I throw a unit or two on the Packers.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's a very tough game, and I was kind of looking at it, and I just went with the team that I think has just been looking better on offense. Um, Next game, we have the Pats and the Jets. We did do a deep dive, a semi-deep dive on both teams earlier. Uh, story of this game, struggling offenses against very good defenses, but it's also the story of the paper cut, the dink and dunk, offense that the Patriots have the 90s offense against an offense that's really reliant if not over reliant on a big play Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones go back a year ago there are some people in the media projecting this to be the quarterback battle for the next 10 to 15 years to see who wins the division I thought it was funny back then as I do now I have the Pats winning. I I think it comes down to a couple things. One, I trust Bill Belichick more than I trust Rob Sala. Not a disrespect to Sala. I think his defensive style, his style and defensive style reminds me a lot of Rex Ryan, where it's reliant on bravado more than X's and O's. And those coaches always have a shelf life as a head coach. And as we saw last week, Bill Belichick, even though Tua is undefeated against him, can still do a lot a lot to slow down a team. The big issue for him is they can't figure out offense at all, offensive skills players. And, of course, the other thing that comes down to is, do you trust Mac Jones more or do you trust Zach Wilson? We did talk about all the deficiencies Mac have and what he's doing well. I trust Mac to not make a mistake more than Zach Wilson. I do not think Zach Wilson has the mental fortitude to be a consistent player in the NFL. So, I think the Patriots are going to win. I think it's going to be 17 to
1: 3. Oh, wow. 17 to 3? Yep. Um so, I'm looking at the Jets schedule right now and I kind of thought this coming into the season they I didn't think they were going to beat the Bills, um which they did. I I did, obviously didn't think they were going to beat the Cowboys, which they didn't. Um but looking past this game, they're going to lose to Kansas City. There's a good shot they lose at Denver. That's always a tough game at Mile High. Um they're probably going to lose to the Eagles. And I don't see them going into their bye one and five. I think that would be really a disaster. Um I think the Jets see this game as a must win. Um I think the Patriots do too. Um but I don't Think the Patriots are very good. Um, and I think that if you take the quarterback out of the equation, I think I'd rather have the Jets than the Patriots. Um, I think looking ahead for the Patriots, the Cowboys next week are going to be tough. Um, but then they have a couple winnable games in, in New Orleans and Vegas um, where I think they kind of right the ship. Then I think they lose to the Bills and Dolphins and win against the Commanders and Colts. I um, mean, they'll have four wins, they'll be four in six by their by. Um I like the Jets. I wrote here Jets Ugh. Um just simply because both these teams suck and I can't really get myself up to picking the Jets. Um but for the sake of me going four and in the NFL last week and wanting to keep that up uh I'll take the Jets to win um what? I don't know, um, thirteen to ten. Yeah, this is not going to be. This is. I talk about
0: beautiful disasters in football sometimes. This is going to be a disaster all around. And Jordan, you want some mouthwash now that you had to actually pick the Jets to win?
1: My mouth is now dry. I all of a sudden have cotton mouth. Um, What? What's the like the over under on that game? I got to look that up. That's got to be one of the lowest over under games we've seen. Hold on, I'm gonna here for one second it's 36 and a half i that's a low number and that's that's going under yeah
0: yeah no i agree with that um so jordan you talked about the saints packers being the toughest game to pick i actually think it's the next one where we have the buffalo bills and the washington commanders because i honestly don't know what to think about either team washington watched them a bit and. I will say this, Eric Bieniemy was a good pickup for offensive coordinator. He had to get out of Kansas City if he wanted to become a head coach. He needed to prove he could do it without Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And I do like what he's doing with Sam Howe, who was a prospect I really liked and was really shocked to see fall to the fifth round. Uh, one of the people we have behind the scenes actually guaranteed to be the first overall pick. Uh, and as we saw, that didn't happen. But he has been, I wouldn't say impressive, but he's been... Encouraging so far, and I do like the pieces the commanders have. Terry McLaurin, much like he was in college, is a very underweighted receiver. Um, You have Jahan Dotson, you have Brian Robinson, and you have a great defense. The Bills, despite the score against the Raiders last week, I came away not overly impressed with them. They do seem to have kind of figured out the run game a little bit with James Cook. At least, I should say he at least looks the most effective runner they've had in a while. The issue is always going to be will they commit to the run, which has always been an issue for them. And much like last year, I feel the big difference between Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey is Brian Dable tried to make the Bills' offense a top-five offense. Where Ken Dorsey, I keep getting the impression he's more focused on making Josh Allen a top MVP candidate. And I think it hurts the team a bit. I think they sometimes let Josh Allen get a little too reckless. So I haven't been super impressed with them. That being said, I do like Washington's off uh, defense more than I like Buffalo's. I have a hard time picking against Buffalo at this point. I think they do have the more explosive offense. I think Washington is going to be a better team as the season goes on, especially as they get used to the enemy's play calling and his playbook. But so if this game was later in the season, I would pick the commies, but I think I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, we'll say
1: 27-24. Um. I think the commanders win this game. Um, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think that it's weird to me that you picked the Bills this week when you picked the Raiders last week, kind of for opposite reasons. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, I think this is going to be a difficult game. I think this is definitely the best offense the commanders have played. But I think they also. in both games started terribly and rebounded. Um I think like you said the Bills game was the first ever 38 to 10 game to be close. Um and I think the Commanders win a very very close game. I think the Commanders run the ball a lot, 30 to 40 times, um and win by a field goal.
0: So we both have it being a field goal game, yeah. I, I could I absolutely could see the Commanders winning. I just, it's just one of those things. I just, I think it's just too early in the season for them to be fully there yet. But I do think this is going to be the, the year where BNME finally gets that head coaching job because of his, the work he does. And he's definitely deserved that opportunity. Um,
1: he might get that head coaching job.
0: He could. He absolutely could, especially Ron Rivera with the, his past health issues may he decide to walk away. Um, before we go into the Dolphins game, we have one more game to pick, and it is two two and teams that I think feel very different about the success so far: the Eagles versus the Bucks. I am right between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, so I, I have a lot of Eagle fans around me. You would think that the sky is falling with how much how angry they are right now, and watching them so far, it's been a bit of a Super Bowl hangover—the hangover for them, despite the two the two O start. The offense does not look in sync. There have been some very uncharacteristic uh, turnovers, uh, mostly fumbles from her, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Baker Mayfield looks... I wouldn't say he looks great, but he does definitely have that swagger back, and honestly, one of my favorite players to watch when their confidence is Baker Mayfield. He's just so cocky, and I find it so funny. The big difference, of course... Oh, excuse me. Uh, The one thing I wanted to highlight is the Bucks have a great pass rush right now. Joe Tryon was one of my favorite prospects, underrated prospect. His draft year, because I believe he sat out for COVID, he's developing into a very good young pass rusher. I do think the Eagles win just because they have too many weapons to be this quiet so far, and I do think the Bucks right now are playing with house money. Mike Evans looks like he's turned, out, he's turned back the clock. He's looked good early. They do have some nice weapons too, but it is an aging team. And I do think this week it catches up with him. So I am picking the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to agree here. Um, we're going to both take the Eagles. Um, and I'm going to take the Eagles by a couple scores. Um, I think that they're the better team. I think they're the faster team. I think the Bucks have been playing very well. Um, but they're definitely coming back down to earth um, this week. I think the Eagles are once again a Super Bowl contender. Um I think they come out of the NFC. I think that game between between them, Dallas, and Sam Fran, the three of them are all really, really good. Um I think this week, um the Bucks are or the uh, Eagles are way too much to handle for Tampa.
0: And just to recap, we both agree the Vikings are going to win. I have the Packers, you have the Saints, I have the Pats, you have the Jets. I have the Bills, you have Washington Commies, and then we both agree on the Eagles. Now for the game we are all been waiting for, the our Miami Dolphins versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, in many people's eyes, Denver is a surprising 0-2. But I've been watching a lot of FS1 this week, listening to a lot of analysts. Some interesting stats I picked up on Russell Wilson so far. He's been very good the first half of of the two games so far. He has four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 85% completion percentage. Jordan, do you know what his second-half stats are for the year?
1: Not as good.
0: Yes, he has one touchdown. So the the, uh, Hail Mary last week that was tipped like three times is his only touchdown in the second half in two games. He has an interception. His completion percentage has gone down to 56%. Uh, so once that tells me once the scripted plays are done, Russell Wilson is still struggling really bad. Uh, the other issue right now is the Bengals. Oh yeah, the Bengals. the Broncos have not gotten a running game going. Javante Williams, a guy, many people wanted us to draft is struggling coming back from that ACL injury where he only has 3.8 yards per carry at 25 attempts. The reason I was thinking the Bengals is because of Samadji Pirine, who is at five yards a carry, but he only has nine attempts. We also think the Bengals have all these great weapons, but aside from Cortland Sutton, who has 12 targets, P. Ryan and Williams are the two that he targets the most, the next two he targets the most. Eight targets for P. Ryan and nine for Williams. Um, I don't know about you, but when you have a safety like um, Javon Holland, That makes me excited because he's just going to fly up and make a play, especially with how much he's playing close to the line of scrimmage. And then Adam Troutman, the tight end, has six. Uh, The one concern I do have is Marvin Mims, who is the rookie wide receiver. Four targets this year, but he's caught all four of them. He has 122 yards and a touchdown. We have seen our corner struggle a bit. With X, he's been a bit handsy. He's gotten a couple penalties, but you kind of live with that because you know he's going to get a, get a few when he gets challenged, uh, both interceptions and penalties. The big concern of course is Eli Apple. He really struggled last week to the point where it has come out that Cam Smith has been getting more of a workload in, uh, practice this week and could be getting more time. This is of course a revenge game for Vic Fangio and, uh, Bradley Chubb. So I'm interested to see how that goes. The, uh, Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator, someone we are familiar with. Very reliant on a pass rush. They have Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper and Randy Gregory. They also have Frank Clark, but I believe Frank Clark is out this week. But they also have Zach Allen in the interior, and I believe he'll be matched up with Isaiah Wynn. Wynn has been okay in my opinion, but if you go by the PFF grades, he has also been by far our worst offensive lineman. So that is definitely going to be matchup to watch now. If he goes up against Hunt and Connor, different story. I think he's going to be going to be neutralized. And of course, on the back end, you have Patrick Sertan, the second. Um, I think this will be a close first half, but I do think the Dolphins win pulling away in the second. Just it's quick. How it's funny how quick your the perception of a team can change. Where going into last year, people thought the the Broncos. We're just a player away, a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. They go and get Russ. Then it became their coach away. They go and get Sean Payton. Now it feels like they are one week from blowing it up. And I think we're going to be that week that makes them think it's time to start getting rid of pieces and getting back assets.
1: So obviously, everybody knows I'm picking the Dolphins to win the game. I don't think that that's um, any part of a the question. There are a bunch of things that I'm interested in. Um, I'm interested to see the way the running game develops from last week. Um, I'm interested because we know Vance Joseph is going to blitz a lot. And if you've watched the Broncos the first two weeks, um, they do blitz a lot and they have some good pass rushers. But Tua gets the ball out of his hands so quickly that I feel like that almost works against a defense. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of motion from the Dolphins. I think you're going to see them find ways to get the ball in open space. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with that formation where they have Tyreek set inside um, and kind of jet him out. Uh, And and I'm interested to see the way the Dolphins' offense continues to evolve. Um, Vic Fangio's defense has a lot in this game uh, that it needs to continue uh, to grow upon from last week. Um, And like you said, this is a revenge game for him. This is a revenge game from Bradley Chubb um I think Chubb gets a sack maybe two. Um I think the Dolphins like you said I think we allow a couple touchdowns early. Um but I think the Dolphins pull away and win 38-20. Um and I think that that formation um that I mentioned earlier with Tyreek uh, jetting out um into opportunities even if Waddle doesn't play for a guy like Craycraft, uh, a guy like Barrios, um, a guy like Ezukama, um tight ends, Ingold. I think that opens up the offense so much that you're going to see the dolphins score a couple times with it. I mean, like I said, win 38, 20.
0: And to go along with that, uh, formation, uh, JTO Sullivan uh, of the quarterback school, very great, uh, YouTube channel. I definitely recommend everybody check it out. One of my favorite YouTube channels. He did put out an open challenge for anyone to find out the name of that formation, where we do the speed out with Tyreek from the H back position, well, I do have to say this to JT. Uh, Jordan and I are on the case. We're we're working to find out what that is, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm digging. I'm doing some digging. Uh, I talked to uh, a contact, a friend of a friend that that works for um, a team that that talked about the formation. And I'm, I won't get um, into the the heavy heavy details of the formation, um, but more so of what it does. Um, to the defense, getting the defense um, to adjust. Because the Dolphins sometimes will run that formation and then completely go to the other side. They don't even look um, to that side of the formation um, sometimes. And then when you start looking at that other side, that's when they hit somebody on a post um, or hit somebody on a flat uh, very quickly. Um, and it's all about quick movement for the Dolphins. But we are on the case Um, And we will get to the bottom of what that name is. Because I've heard it's good. um, And I heard that we're going to like it when we find it out.
0: So, JT, if you are listening, we got you on that one. Well, everybody, it's that time of the show where we add to the list. Jordan, I kind of think tonight's introduction is cheating. Because it is someone who says a lot of stupid shit. And that, of course, is Skip Bayless. So I don't know if you heard it yesterday, Jordan, but they on a whatever show he's on. I was going to say first take, but that's ESPN. Um, I don't think it's first things first, but whatever show he's on, they were talking about if Tua should be the favorite because per Vegas, Tua is the odd on favorite, odd odds on favorite to be MVP. And Skip Bayless comes out and he says the normal stupid crap that the, the Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill do all the work? Now, that's not enough to get on the list. It's stupid, but it's not enough. He goes on to say that Tua has below-average qualities as a quarterback. He again said he looked pudgy, which I don't know why people bring up his weight. Whatever. Says he doesn't have a strong arm. Says he doesn't have good vision. But above all else, he decides to be an Oklahoma Sooners homer, and says Dylan Gabriel has a better arm than Tua Tonga Valoa. I couldn't believe my ears when he said that. I had to go back and listen a couple times because that, to me, is the dumbest in a long line of dumb from Skip Salas.
1: Yeah, as a as a UCF alum and a UCF fan, I love Dylan Gabriel getting a shout out there and being put in the same class as Tua. Um, but that's just not true. <laughs> that's it's just there there's nothing more to say other than the fact that it's not true. Um, I don't understand all the two I hate. And I don't understand why we can't just appreciate the fact that for the first time in forever, it looks like the Dolphins actually have a, a good quarterback and a team that could compete in late January. And we're gonna continue adding people to the list, and Skip Bayless is going to continue to stay stupid shit. And I think this is just added into the long list of nonsense that he says. Um, I don't know the, the context of what he was saying it in um, or how it came about. But I, I, I think it's okay to say was having a great first two games. I'm interested to see how he does against the Denver defense. He's had a great first two games, and we'll go from there. Um, but at this point, Skip Bayless, you're on the list, and there's no turning back.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, just don't say stupid shit. Well, everybody, I think that's it for tonight's episode. We might try and do the recap on Sunday. I think uh, Jordan, Zach, and I decided it'll depend on how drunk everybody is, uh, which might make for, honestly, a very fun episode if we do decide to do that. Jordan, before we sign off, did you have anything you wanted to say?
1: I feel like the drunker we are, the better the episode will be if the Dolphins win. Um, But I might might get better if the
0: Dolphins lost, too. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Touche um, But again thank you to our social media people Thank you to Zach um, Thank you to the people that uh, Are helping us grow uh, Ever so quickly so I appreciate it I love it uh, and I'm excited to do it again Either Sunday or Monday
0: Absolutely for Jordan and Zach My name is Brett remember this is the list And we are watching Zach Hit that music Fuck you